Welcome in, everybody, to our Reaction Flagship Podcast. I'm Chip Brown, joined by the one and only Eric Hendry. We are recapping Texas's 40-14 to victory over Kansas. This was a weird game for about three quarters, and then uh, Texas just kind of asserted its will and wore down a Kansas a defense that seemingly was on the field the whole damn game. When you look at the uh, the time of possession, it was almost it was one of those 40-20s, um, Eric. But for the first half, it was weird because Texas outgained Kansas. They outfirst downed Kansas. They outpossessed Kansas, but they only led 13-7 to because – their red zone woes continued twice, first and goal from the eight. They only come up with field goals. Quinn Ewers threw his first interception of the season, snapping a 245 uh, pass attempt streak without an interception. And Bert Auburn um, missed a couple of field goals after nice long drives. Um, but Eric, the defense makes the play in the third quarter. Uh, Baron Sorrell with the pressure, maybe Jason Bean, who's playing for injured Jalen Daniels, you know, tries to pull the ball back from uh, the running back. The ball comes out. Jody Barron jumps on it. And from that point on with, uh, I don't know, about four minutes left in the third quarter, it was over and out. Texas just dominated. Um, but Eric, they are five and zero for the first time since 2009. The last time the Longhorns won anything. Won a Big 12 title, played for a national championship, and now the Boomer Sooners are up next in the Red River Shootout. Chip, at the end of the day, I think those last two sentences you uttered kind of sum up the story for Texas. I mean, we can talk about some of the things that need to be cleaned up, right? And I think those things are fair. You know, I, I think objectively, and I know Steve Sarkeesian postgame when asked about the red zone, he kind of said, you know, hey, you can make stats – Anything you can make anything you want about his stats. Yeah, he didn't right? want to hear about but, stats. I don't want to hear yeah, about stats. But at the end of the day, his team is five and zero. Oh. And to you know, in a, an extent, I'd say to a larger extent, I do agree with him. Um, Chip, I'm going to come back to something that Sark said that I won't lie. You know, I kind of, I don't want to say I poo pooed it, but I, I was skeptical uh, after the Rice game. He said that you know the the team is is essentially they're multiple, right? They're, they could win in a variety of ways. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember saying this in, in what I wrote after that game, saying that, that that sounds a little bit like coach speak for kind of, hey, you know, we didn't win the way everyone expected us to, but we won, right? And you kind of put a spin on it. Looking back now, five weeks, Chip, there's some merit to what Steve Sarkeesian is saying and the fact that, yes, whether it's a Quinn Ewers-led game like the Alabama game or uh, a Jonathan Brooks led game like today or the Baylor game or all of the games you can make the case that were defensive led games. They do have a variety of ways that they're winning games. The obvious question for me is, is that sustainable, right? I think the defense is sustainable. I think what we saw today, a defense that, wasn't phased by the fact that Jalen Daniels didn't start and that for the majority of the week they prepped for a quarterback who was 
more pass first. And I thought Steve Sarkeesian put it well when he said, we prepped for the scheme. We didn't prep for the quarterback, right? You know, that certainly makes it easier to adapt when you don't necessarily get a player who you're expecting when you, you have your fundamentals down with the scheme. I think there's merit to that. But with that being said, is this sustainable, right? To where maybe one day, you know, the, the, the running game isn't having its best game and the passing game can pick up. Or, you know, you have the red zone struggles, but you get the big chunk plays. I don't know. I, I, what, I, what I feel confident about, Chip, is there are enough big-time playmakers on this team. We saw JT Sanders go down. You have uh, Adonai Mitchell steps up as a career high and, and, and catches uh, we saw Xavier Worthy, you know, him be on the field that opened up things for AD, and then A and then and X kind of hits his groove. I, I'll even throw this one out at you, right? And I talked about this in in the rapid post game reaction with Tommy Yarish. So JT goes down, and you get the heavy personnel with Malik Agbo and Gunner Helm that springs the run game, but not only in the run game chip, they have success with that package as kind of like a, a max protect, right? Where you see Gunnar Helm stay in and Agbo obviously isn't going to go out for a route, but the, the the two-man routes, you know, with with X and AD and they get success there. There is merit to what Steve Sarkeesian said as far as finding multiple ways to win. And I, I think that's something that, you know, maybe Horns fans may have to may have to learn to, to adapt to, right? And maybe us, those of us who cover the team may have to adapt to. You know, th there might be an area here, an area there where, in a game, it doesn't necessarily work out as maybe to our expectations, but the team's five and zero, and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this defense is is proving to be elite. It was they were up against the number one third down conversion rate offense in college football. Um, Kansas had been converting third down sixty point five percent of the time. They were zero for eight tonight on third down and 0 for 2 tonight on fourth down. The two touchdowns that Kansas scored were you had a wild situation where Jason Bean runs a nice option play, makes some guys miss. He's cruising down the field into Texas territory, and Jalen Catalan blasts him uh, from the side, causes a fumble, that bounces backward right into the hands of Kansas running back Daniel Hinshaw, who takes it the final 18 yards for a touchdown. Um, one of the best hits you're going to see. Defense causes a fumble, and it leads to a touchdown for Kansas. The other was um, a 58-yard uh, touchdown pass where uh, Keaton Krupp, you know, Jody Barron passes off this speedster uh, receiver, um, and suddenly Keaton Crawford is having, you know, he's in a tight spot, but he, because the kid could have gone either way, but he goes to the post. He, he kind of wrong footed Keaton made a great play 58 yard touchdown. And that was part of the, um, you know, nervousness, I guess, in the third quarter when it's 20 to 14 and I'll never understand why, Steve Sarkeesian went for the, the two-point conversion in the third quarter. Um, wait until you see if you need to do that, I always say. But nonetheless, that's nitpicking and stats, Eric. Sark doesn't want to hear about stats because, look, the Texas defense came up big when it had to and no bigger uh, than the fourth down play where 
you know, Sorrell comes in, Bean tries to pull the ball back. He fumbles it. Jody Barron jumps on it. Um, that was in the third quarter. And that was it. You know, from that point on, the Texas offense rolled. They they were, you know, moving the football. Adonai Mitchell gets a touchdown catch. Heck, Quinn Ewers was involved in the running game. He scored the first touchdown on a scramble that turned into a 30-yard touchdown run. That's his second week in a row with a with an explosive run touchdown. And then he scored the last touchdown of the game on a one-yard run, kind of a little, uh, you know, bootleg waggle to the wide side of the field. Um, and he scores on a one-yard touchdown run. Finished the game with seven carries for 40 yards, one of those being that 30-yard touchdown run. So, um, and Jonathan Brooks, what can you say? I mean, last three games, Eric, Jonathan Brooks has 59 carries for 487 yards. He's halfway to 1,000 yards in the last three games. Um, 8.8 yards per carry. And these, again, explosive long runs. He had a 67-yard run today that – Unfortunately, didn't get paid off. Um, it got a, it ended with a set up a field goal, basically what it did. But he had a 54-yard touchdown run last week. He had a 40-yard touchdown run. He had a 61-yard run against Wyoming. I mean, this guy's breaking big plays for this offense and giving them just an, an incredible um, running attack when the offense may be sputtering in its passing game. And so Jonathan Brooks is, you know, if we had to do an MVP through five games, I don't know who would be ahead of him uh, as the offensive MVP, Eric, you know what I mean? Listen, it's the thing with Jonathan Brooks. I think you have to admire is he doesn't win the RB one job coming out of camp. Right. And listen, I understand that JB is a, you know, he's like that, that, you know, he's kind of regarded like Jordan Whittington, right? A guy who's a consummate professional and is, you know, really highly regarded amongst his teammates. But that's got his thing inside, right? He's been here three years. You know, he, he wants his opportunity. And the true freshman comes in and gets the RB1 job. And, you know, he, he just manages to, through the the, the circumstances, uh, CJ backs are getting hurt, you know, find his way on the field in, in, in a full-time role. He's making the most of it. And I know we came on this podcast last week and we talked about, you know, hey, uh, this guy needs to be a little bit more, you know, boastful about himself. Well, hopefully this game, (laughs) you can't hide it, right, Chip? If if we get him, and I'm assuming we will, uh, on Monday for player availability, he can't hide it. He can't say I'm I'm just – you know, John, good old Jonathan Brooks, right? Not too fast. I just, no, nah, you can't, you can't hide it at this point, right? Because he is one of the more dynamic running backs, not only in the Big Twelve, but in in the nation. And he, Chip, you hit the nail on the head. You know, he's having, uh, you know, chunk plays. Steve Sarkeesian talked about the fact that he was hitting home runs. That's not what we expected. Maybe because it looks a little bit different, right? Because I think to the naked eye, I know I, I I've said this that C.J. Baxter looks like he's the more explosive running back, and and C.J. will be a fine back in time. But I think the big thing, Chip, that Jonathan Brooks does that is really kind of setting him, uh, you know, apart from the pack, I don't know how many times you saw it today, but I kind of made a point to look at it. The amount of times he made that first man miss, whether it was breaking the tackle, running through the tackle, you know, is he, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, a shifty guy by any stretch of the imagination? Maybe not so. But he makes that first guy miss, which is so huge in this offense. I, I For anyone, you know, you can either go back and look. I know Chip's talked about it. I've written about it. Or if you have a pro football focus account, look up the numbers with Jonathan Brooks and compare them to Bijan Robinson. I am not comparing JB and Bijan in terms of, you know, the, the, the share talent and the explosiveness, but the ability to make that first man miss makes such a big difference ship. Cause that's the difference between a three, four yard run going for, you know, 10, 11, 12, or, or even getting out in the open field, right? If he gets that second level of defense and he makes that man miss at the linebacker level, that's the difference between a 10 yard run going for, for 25. And, and we see him finding ways to make explosive plays. So sure, JB, you know, listen, you might not be a four, four guy. I don't know what Jonathan Brooks run the 40. But you have a natural running ability and the ability to make that first man miss, which is getting you into the second and third level of defense. And you are a bona fide home run hitter. So uh, I can't wait to ask him about that next time we have the opportunity to talk to him. Yeah, he's averaging six forced missed tackles per game coming into today. And he made more guys miss against Kansas. And he's decisive. Right. He I mean, they ran that wide zone, the outside zone on first down, and he averaged, I think I added up, he averaged almost 10 yards a carry on that. I thought they should have kind of kept going with it once they got into the red zone, like run it till they stop it kind of thing. But then he also, they would, uh, you know, have some window dressing, um, some pin and pull type stuff where he would just go right up the middle and, he chopped right through the middle of that Kansas defense. He's very decisive and one cut and he looks fast to me. He needs to never say that stuff about I'm not fast anymore. And he catches the football. I remember he had the two drops early against rice. He dropped a probably walk in touchdown against Wyoming. He dropped a, a pass or no against Alabama, excuse me. But since then he's been making plays catching the football and that's, that's what we've come to expect from Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter. You know, he's doing fine. Jaden blue had a nice run today. Uh, everybody and Quinn Ewers crazy legs yours for God's sake with his uh, second long run touchdown in uh, of the season. So in Adnai Mitchell, as you mentioned, Eric, he was clearly a focal point once they saw the coverage kind of, shaded toward savior worthy boom 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 the first three passes of the game go to ad mitchell for 49 yards he ends up with 10 catches uh, 141 yards and a touchdown his biggest day is a longhorn and that's the kind of stuff that the rest of the league and the rest of college football looks at and says damn you know damn because savior worthy uh, finished with seven catches for 93 yards. A.D. Mitchell, 10 catches for 141 yards. Uh, by the way, 10 catches on 13 targets and the uh, and the touchdown as well. So, uh, and you mentioned J.T. Sanders going down. We should say that Steve Sarkeesian said he hopes to have Sanders back for the Oklahoma game next week. He said, no structural damage. It's not a broken bone. It's not a torn ligament. It's a lower leg injury. He tried to come back into the game. He, you know, he had the injury in the first half, tried to come back in, watch the second half in street clothes, 
Um, so that's promising. But even with, let's say Sanders can't play against Oklahoma, with all these weapons, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington had a couple catches today. Um, Jonte Cook had another big play catch. One catch for 26 yards. Look fast. It's um, it's There's a lot there, and it's just about Quinn Ewers finding the the open guy. He he had it on his interception. He kind of locked in on Gunnar Helm. He had A.D. Mitchell wide open on the left side of the field. If he'd have gotten that far in his progression, he didn't see the linebacker sitting in zone coverage, and, and he served up uh, his first interception of the season. But if, uh, you know, you, you, you think this offense will continue to, to get better. They should. Sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week improvement. But, man, um, and Quinn completed 71% of his passes. So even the, even with the interception, he, he had 78% completion rate last week, 71% completion rate this week. He's, you know, now he's running around. I thought they, they just, uh, you know, in the red zone, Sark's got to get that figured out because um, you can't be kicking field goals against, you know, you're going to have to play someone your way. Got to play OU first of all, and then you got to play K State and TCU. You can't be kicking field goals and counting on your defense all the time, Eric. And that's what you were kind of getting at with the is this sustainable for the defense to kind of carry the weight um, special teams, missing a couple field goals, not, you know, there was a high snap on the miss 50 yarder, but Ryan Sanborn did a great job getting that snap down laces out. Come on, bird Auburn. You know, we were championing you burn orange hair Auburn. Um, so, you know, but Eric, this defense gives them a chance in every game. Yeah, Chip, undoubtedly. I want to touch on two things really quickly. We'll come back to the defense. One, I know we talked about a lot of the playmakers, and we on this podcast, right, have talked about some of the offensive line struggles. We talked about DJ Campbell by name. Well, let's show some love to those guys because they certainly yeah. played well today, right? So, you know, to the offensive line, you know, they don't get noticed when they when 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 they they don't do anything, right? You know, so they only get noticed when when they they give a bad play. So, shout to that offensive yep. line. Jake but Majors, the, the guards, DJ Campbell, Hayden Connor, they were opening holes right up the middle of that KU defense. Absolutely. The the second thing I want to come back to, Chip, before I come back to the defense is is you talked about it, right? And I I I do believe it is playing with fire. I know Steve Sarkeesian doesn't want to, you know, say hey, it's it's a stat, right? Make a stat, say anything. Yes, this offense has a litany of weapons, guys like X and Adonai Mitchell and others who can create chunk plays, right? They don't have to be in the red zone. They can score from thirty yards out, forty yards out, right? But but when you get in the red zone, no coach in America is going to say you don't want to have sevens instead of threes, right? And to your point, they will play a team at some point where, you know, it's a tight ball game. And if you have too many of those, you just leave a team in the game, despite the fact that you have that excellent defense that for the most part can clean up those things. So I, I like I said, I, I want to agree with Steve Sarkeesian in, in, in the sense that, yes, you're 5-0. and oh, you can make a stat say anything, but no coach in America is going to sit here and say, you know, we get in the red zone twice and and we, we settle for for three points. So uh, that's something that definitely interesting. And, and I also want to say, you know, we can probably get into this later on 
in the week. But, you know, should JT Sanders not go chip, I think you have to feel a measure of confidence. And I know we're going to get ready to, you know, close this uh, episode up in a minute. But I think you have to feel a measure of confidence in not only Gunnar Helm as an improved athlete at tight end, but as I mentioned, having sustained success in that heavy package with Agbo, not only just as, as a blocker, but again, is a max protect running two man routes and they're getting AD Mitchell wide open on, on that type of package. Right. So I'm not saying that's sustainable for an entire game, but if you need to get through a week, uh, obviously a tough week with, with Oklahoma, but if you need to get through a week. I think we've seen enough from the players behind JT that y you don't feel like it's all man. It's, it's break glass in case of fire. It's an emergency. Right. So uh, that's kind of, you know, my final takeaway uh, as I'll you know, pass back to you. Yeah. And look, we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma this week, but um as we're recording at nine o'clock on Saturday night, Oklahoma is up on Iowa State 50 to 20. And we we said that uh Kansas's offense and Oklahoma's offense statistically are gonna be two of the best offenses this Texas defense will face this season, as of right now, according to the numbers. So we're headed to the Cotton Bowl in Big D Dallas for some Red River shootout. My man Eric Henry's maiden voyage in the greatest game day atmosphere in sports. So keep it right here on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Make sure that you're subscribing. Just click that subscribe button right there um, and leave us a good review. I mean, our bosses will give us an attaboy. That'd be nice. <laughs> And until next time, for Eric Henry, I'm Chip Brown. Till next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.